Hello. You gotta go, hello. Oh, like Clarice. Yeah. <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I am Coel. And I'm Kenna. Welcome back to Diagnosing a Killer. We are so close to each other right now, it's I know. not even funny. It's <laughs> weird. I should have I should have brought some gum. pre-shift and i like leaned over and whispered something to clay i was like something he goes whoa your breast feels like onions i was like sorry i was like does anybody have a mint like i felt so uncomfortable so we have some news obviously koala's back this week and she is going to be here for good so we have a little bit of change in our co-hostery dana is the love of my life she just has a really busy schedule and i appreciate that i respect that she's a badass bitch of a woman and She's going to be on for, uh, you know, some episodes when she wants to, when she has a good case and stuff like that, but uh, just plan on hearing a lot more from Coel and, of course, moi, and my throat just, like, gurgled when I said that, so if you heard that in the microphone. (laughs) Love you, Dana. Love you, Dana. So, a couple of exciting things uh, that has happened Recently, um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback about our podcast. Woo, woo. Me too. There was a couple of my friends at the bar, you know, the regulars or whatever. Just two guys just... hanging in a hot tub. <laughs> Five feet apart, because I'm not going to say the rest. <laughs> uh, Michael and Jesse both said, last night I was at the bar, and they both said, you know, I listened to a couple episodes, like one or two or whatever, like it was so good. Like, Michael was saying, like, he really loved the jokes that we would make and, like, the banter, and he said that the whole um, lack of... Word choice when I said turn a blind eye with uh, Andre Thomas. I don't know if you heard that one yet, but he's blind. He doesn't have any eyeballs. And I said that. And he was Didn't like, Didn't he like funny. gouge out his own eyes? Yeah, it's really terrible. It was a poor choice of words. It was. But he was like, Oh my gosh, like that cracked me up because obviously, like, you were trying to be nice and, you know, it came across like. And he goes, And then the bongos thing, like, at one point, my mic, you know. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was funny. And then <laughs> Just Jesse. Playing the bongos. Yeah, <laughs> Jesse, um, Actually gave us a really good compliment. He said that he really enjoyed the accuracy of things, um, the professionalism of it all. So I really appreciate that. So thank you guys both so much for that awesome feedback because that makes me feel good. Like people that I'm not like poking, hey, listen to the podcast, listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then they just take it upon themselves to do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. One of of my good friends, Tawny, she was like, I love the flow of things. It just sounds so cool. And she said that she binged it. Um, she works from home, so she was binging it, yeah. and so she's excited to, and to shout hear out, more. Sorry, shout out to Brianna as well, because Brianna mm-hmm. is a good old, old friend of mine. Um, we, you know, we have our own separate lives. We haven't really been in contact, you know, every once in a while the last couple of years, but she reached out to me on Facebook and was like, dude, like, I saw that you posted about a podcast. Like, I was like, no way. And then I listened to it. She's like, I binged on the way home and now I'm really upset that I have to wait for another episode. <laughs> I'm like, that makes me feel so good, you know? Yeah. So thank you guys all for the, the feedback and, uh actually listening to us because I was like no one's gonna listen to this yeah except for mom and dad not even I don't even think dad's listened <laughs> mom hasn't listened to the latest episode Cute. either I was like we listened to it she's like I was napping <laughs> it's much more exciting <laughs> to listen to something when it's like I mean I listen I've listened to all of our episodes after we record them and I'm literally here but yeah. I'm like it's interesting to me because I'm like I want to make sure I sound okay yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm always judging we're gonna keep trying to pump out content regularly for you guys because I know there's like a little bit 
it's not as consistent as we want it to be. So we're definitely going to try to start pre-recording a lot more so that we yeah. already have stuff set up for you guys. So. And I actually saw on the on the RSS feed, like where I, you know, put all the podcast information and stuff, you can actually uh, upload podcasts and preset them to like get pushed out at a certain date. Oh, so okay. I literally don't even have to go on that date if I want. I can be like, oh, post this on, you know, this yeah. or whatever. So that's cool. Oh, also, we're on Spotify now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So if you don't have... I've heard of a lot of people say, well, what if I don't have Apple? You know, I'm on Apple Podcasts and I don't want to go to that website every time. You can't really manipulate the, um, you know, fast forward or rewind on the RSS.com, I don't think. I mean, you can, but it's not as easy as Spotify makes it. Right. So we are on Spotify. Um, of course, Diagnosing a Killer. I also set up the email. Yay. Finally. <laughs> so the only people that have emailed me uh, are Buzzsprout. So please oh, email us because yeah. I'd like to hear from someone other than a robot. Send Bob's nice. and Vagine. That's what you're going to get. People <laughs> asking if you want to join eHarmony. No thanks. <laughs> yeah. Like super excited about all of that stuff happening. We're again, we're going to be trying to post, trying to post a lot more content, you know, a lot more frequently. So Thank you guys for bearing with us for, through our kind of testing stage, for lack of a better phrase. Um, yeah, so... Also, my drink of choice today, if anybody was curious, is uh, yerba mate. Ooh. It's like an uh, herbal caffeinated tea, which really doesn't exist. Um, but it's... I'm trying to stay away from coffee and black tea. Sponsors. So, yeah. How would you say that? Guayaki? 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 I don't know. Organic herba mate. The revel berry is the best. Ooh, let's try that. I personally have indulged in coffee already today. I woke up super early, and to me, super early is like 9 a.m., and I went to meet Ana E at the gym. Shout mm-hmm. out Ana E. Uh, she kicked my ass, and I don't think I'm going to be able to walk tomorrow. Uh-oh. So, glad we're doing this now. Yeah. I'm going to be bedridden tomorrow. Oh, wait. I work a double, so I'm not. Oh, wait. Anyways, uh, that's enough uh, small talk. People are going to be, like, turning this off because you're not getting to the case. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm so bored right now. <laughs> Literally, I don't care about your freaking lives. All right, so I have a doozy of a case. It's another Texas case. So this uh, took place in McAllen, Texas, so in the Valley. Oh. One of our listeners actually suggested that we do this case because they um, personally knew the killer involved in this case and actually had multiple conversations with them at one point in their lives. The case that I'm going to talk about today is that of Monica Melissa Patterson. She went by Melissa Patterson, so I'm going to refer to her as Melissa throughout this. So I'm going to first kind of set the scene, uh, kind of bring it forward, and then I'm going to bring you back. So at 9.40 a.m. on January 28th of 2015 in New Braunfels, Texas, Mark Nell is getting ready for work when he gets a phone call from McAllen, Texas, where his 96-year-old father lives. So he gets a phone call from that, you know, side of, you can obviously tell by the area by the code. Area code. Mm-hmm. It was actually uh, his father's neighbor across the street informing him that there was a fire truck and an ambulance at his dad's house. So he oh. immediately, I know, right? Scary. Um, he immediately gets in the car and begins his, you know, four hour trip because he's in New Braunfels. It's going to take about four hours to get there. Yeah. I just want to say that everybody should be kind to their neighbors, <laughs> especially in 2015. Uh, I probably only ever knew like maybe one of my neighbors at that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. They'll always have your back. No, same. Actually, bring, I was living in Bring San cookies Marcus. every Christmas. Yeah. Straight up because they're going to be the ones that are looking out for your shit. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, so he begins his four-hour trip south to McAllen. He keeps the neighbor on the phone while he's driving down there for the whole time to give him updates. Well, then he realizes, oh, wait, my dad has a, you know, caretaker, full-time caretaker Uh uh, by the name of Melissa Patterson. So he texts her to get an update. Well, she Mm -hmm. immediately calls him and says 
that as far as she knows, his full-time housekeeper that she had actually hired for him, her name is uh, Celestina Marscoro, mm-hmm. had called 911 saying that Marty had a heart attack and that the paramedics had come by to try to revive him. So okay. Melissa's on her way. And so she's... she wasn't there. No, no, no. Supposedly. She's on her way at this point, And the housekeeper has informed her that this is happening. Okay. Now, Melissa Patterson finally arrives to the scene within minutes. And uh, it was while Mark was on the way to McAllen that, unfortunately, Melissa called him back and gave him the news. And I quote, your father just died. Very uh, cold. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, like. By the way. I'm so sorry. Your father just died. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't want to sprinkle any, you know, sincerity in there. (laughs) So that is the scene that I want to paint. Now I'm going to go back and tell you what kind of a person Marty Nell was. This is the father that died. Yeah, and Marty and Mark. six. That's a long life. Yeah. Marty and Mark, obviously very two similar names. Just to be clear, Marty is the man that passed away and Mark is his son. Mm-hmm. So Marty Nell was actually raised by a West Virginia coal miner during the Depression. Wow. And he actually began working in the coal mine himself when he got into high school. Did he get the black lung? I don't know. I mean, obviously not. He was 96. Yeah, right? <laughs> 96, um, man. By all accounts, this guy was just tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Like, just one of those, you know, hard-working grandpas. I guarantee yeah. you his hands were, like, rock hard, you know? Callous. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, during this time that he was working at the coal mine, and he was in high school, like I said, he met a fellow classmate, Penny Fletcher, and immediately knew that they were meant to be together. Aww. I know. High school sweethearts to a T. I love that name, Penny. Right? Penny. Isn't that so, so sweet? cute? We love a Penny. Everyone around them, of course, knew they were soulmates. It was just like, I mean, by all accounts, everyone was like, they're like you could tell they were yeah. going to be together forever. Now, in the summer of 1941, the couple got married. Um, and then, of course, a few months later is when the United States entered World War II. Hmm. So Marty immediately enlisted in the army. He took it upon himself to immediately enlist himself. He actually had pilot skills. So he was almost instantly promoted because, of course, they need people. He was almost instantly promoted to sergeant. And he was uh, all of a sudden training paratroopers. Damn. Right? What a badass. Like, seriously. <sighs> just one of those, like, badass World War II vets, you know? Like, yeah. You, just want, you could talk to him for hours and just let's go kick some ass. Right. <laughs> At this time, Penny was actually working as well as an operator at an up-and-coming telecommunications company. Ooh. She made a very wise choice and decided to take stock instead of pay for this company. Damn. So they're going to pay her in stock for the company. Well, they actually tried to promote her multiple times, but she declined because it would have required her to move, and she didn't want to do that, especially mm. with Marty's situation in the Army. Yeah. So finally, a couple years later, after the war ended, the company finally convinced Penny to take the chief operator position at this branch in McAllen. So that's when they moved to McAllen, Texas. Wow. They both moved here. Marty retired from the army and he worked as a mail carrier. Still giving back to the community. God, Just a sweet old man. Um, At this point, well, he wasn't even old at this point. He was, you know, a sweet young man. (laughs) Um, I'll say. So they had the perfect marriage by all accounts, but they wanted something more, of course. Um, Unfortunately, they were unable to conceive a child on their own, so they decided to adopt. And then in 1953, they adopted Mark Nell. Oh, I know, right? Marty and Mark. Oh, my God. So cute. I was going to say, I was like, oh, my God, it's like Carl and Ellie. Oh, my God. Cry on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So by Mark's accounts... Oh my god, this is like really gonna get me. His parents were just like the 
best. He mm-hmm. said that they sang, danced, and laughed a lot while he was growing up. Oh I know. It was, like, breaking my heart. And he was the only child? Yes, he was the only wow. child. Um, well, it's really expensive to adopt. Oh, of course. Yeah. Especially in the, you know, 50s, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, so yeah, they, they just seemed like the sweetest little couple, like the best parents, like always had joy. Yeah. Joy and laughter in the house and all that. Now by 1980, Mark of course was grown up and he had his own, he had started his own family. This is when the couple began to think about retirement. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember that company that Penny worked for? I told you it was an up and coming telecommunications company. Southwestern Bell. AT&T. AT&T. Well, Penny's choice to take stock instead of pay was, of course, a wise one, and they instantly became millionaires. Wow. Because of this. Fuck yeah, Penny. <laughs> I have stock in, like, in stuff, and I'm like, never going to see it. I, I would lose so money. Sad. I get so sad when I check on my Dogecoins. I'm like, ew. <laughs> 23 cents a stock. Literally. Like, ugh. ugh, it's terrible. Even though they had all this, they had come into all this money, they really wanted to make it a point to live modestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really wanted to spend time with their grandkids and just continue to stay as active as possible. Yeah, invest the money into their life, of not course. in frivolous things. Of course. And they're, of course, getting older at this point, and so mm-hmm. they want to make sure that they're seizing the moment. Carpe diem. Uh, Marty would actually get up at 4 a.m. every day just to exercise, just to take advantage of the day. This guy is like a true American hero. Literally. <laughs> Marty for fucking president, 2024. <laughs> um, by 2014, this is the year 2014 now, the couple approached their 90s. Of course, their age had started to catch up with them. Um, unfortunately, Penny fell one day and fractured her pelvis. I'm sorry, but at a certain age, like, there's there's really no coming back oh, from it's that. it's terrifying mm-hmm. when that happens. Um, but yeah, so she fell and pra- fractured, fractured her pelvis, fractured her pelvis, and... Uh, <laughs> She was in the hospital for quite some time, of yeah. course. Um, this is obviously very stressful on Marty. On, I want to be like, Maddie. Maddie. <laughs> really stressful on Maddie. Um, but by September 2014, Penny was cleared to return home. So she mm. was doing really good. Marty was, of course, still worried. And he was getting to the point where he thought that he wasn't going to be able to care for her on his own. Because mm-hmm. the air, their yeah, age, of course. This is when their nurse suggested that she go to a place called the Comfort House. Okay. Now, the comfort house is where the couple would meet the monster who ruined their lives, Melissa Patterson. She ran the comfort house. She was the she was like the head own, the puncher. owner or whatever. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the owner, it's a nonprofit, so it's kind of like Oh. She was on the board, but yeah. she was like the head board member, she was I guess. The HBIC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, HCIC. HCIC. <laughs> Get it? You got her. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about Melissa Patterson for a little bit. Are you okay? <laughs> what? Just look over and be like, can't breathe. You got her. <laughs> Sorry. Are you listening, Melissa? I just dissed you. Do you want some ice for that burn? <laughs> Seriously. All right, back to the story. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about Melissa Patterson for a little bit as much as I don't want to, but it's important to the case. I couldn't find an actual birth date for her. Um, all I could find was that she was born in either 1968 or 1969. She probably lied about her age a few times. Well, no, th- they were telling me, or not telling me, in the research that I did, they said how old she was then, so I kind of did the math. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so 1968 or 1969. So she was born to Hector, or Tito, we're gonna call him Tito, that was what his nickname was, and Berta Palacios in mm-hmm. McAllen, Texas, where she was born. She was the youngest of three with an older sister, Marciela Gra- uh, Garcia, and older brother, Jamie J. Palacios. 
Her mother, Berta, is a former Far San Juan Alamo Independent School District, or the PSJAISD administrator. It's a mouthful. And Tito is the former Hildago County Commissioner and former San Juan Mayor. Oh, wow. So they're both very politically involved in the community. Yeah. Very well known around town. Um, I really couldn't find a lot on her early life or even her career before she applied to this comfort house place. It, I did read that she was a speech pathologist formerly, but mm. I didn't had literally had anything about her childhood. I couldn't find any of that, which yeah. honestly it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, so she applied to be on the board of directors at this place that we'd know as the comfort house. It was a hospice, or it still is, it's a hospice care facility that's been around since 89, and they specialize in caring for terminally ill patients that have four months or less to live, unfortunately. Oh, man. I know. It's, I could not so work So it's strictly, like, hospice care. Yeah. I could not work at a place like that. Me neither. She was hired into this company by one Paul Garcia, who was the treasurer of the board and who would actually later, later testify against her in trial. Oh. Yeah. And he, I bet he feels like a idiot for hiring her but you know how do you know that you know you don't you never yeah. know something like that's gonna especially happen. if somebody doesn't have a previous record and like you said it's hard to find anything about her yeah so exactly. she probably didn't have a previous record well otherwise it probably, that would probably be taken into account well it was wiped clean by her political polls and her family that's true it could have been you know she used to get in the way with shit and we'll find out later that this was not going to be the first time that she's <gasps> introduced to criminal activity and involved in it so dun 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 shook it <laughs> Uh, now, Marty would actually visit the Comfort House several times a week, of course, to see his wife, and he developed a friendship with a bunch of other staff members, uh, Melissa being the most prominent of those friendships. Mm-hmm. She would give him food, an ear to talk to while he visited, just became a friend to him, pretty much. Um, by October, Penny actually seemed to be improving. She was putting on weight, and she was recovering quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the couple's anniversary was actually on October 23rd. Mm-hmm. And the family was planning on all going down there to celebrate with them. They were celebrating their, like, 73rd anniversary. Like, something Jeez. really outrageous. Like, so cool. Um, however, on the day of the anniversary party, Penny took a sudden turn for the worse. Uh, this is when Melissa contacted the family directly and told them that she didn't think that Penny was going to last. The day of their anniversary? The day of their anniversary party. Oh, okay. The day that that party was scheduled. Yeah. Also, she didn't think she was going to last... Really sentimental and empathetic choice of words. I don't think there. that she's gonna last. Yeah, I'm um, sorry, but like, day old food doesn't last. Yeah, this <laughs> is what you say. Human about life, a person. Yeah. Right. The family was led to the room. So the family had come down, of course, to McAllen for you know. Uh-huh. Whatever. They were led to the for whatever. <laughs> for, <laughs> for you know whatever. You know, whatever they're coming down there. <laughs> After we just condemned her for being <laughs> so coarse. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, the family was led to the room where Penny was. Apparently, she was having a lot of trouble breathing, and it was a really hard scene. She oh, was, that's horrible. The son uh, said that she was, like, almost, like, croaking. Like, she was really, like, shallow breath, like, couldn't really catch her breath. I know. It was really, really hard. Um, and then she, unfortunately, passed away around 9 p.m. So, this was, like, whoa. Like, she was doing really yeah, good. Homegirl was kicking it. Gaining weight. And then yeah. all of the sudden, it seems... Now, everybody chalked this up to old age. I mean, she was in her 90s, right? Yeah. Um, Of course, Marty was beyond devastated. I could not even imagine spending literally my entire life with somebody and then losing them, no matter how old and how much of a great life we had. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, literally, they spent their entire lives together. Well, because of this, he, of course, started to become more introverted, and his mental and emotional side began to dwindle with that, Mm -hmm. Um, of course. It honestly reminds me of our... um, there's some grandparents on our mom's side that that happened with, you mm-hmm. know, the, the wife 
passed away, unfortunately, and within three months, so did the husband, just because of losing that. Like, you're losing half of yourself. Right. That's awful. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I can't imagine that. Um, so Marty wasn't a resident of the comfort house, like I had mentioned, but Melissa actually continued to care for him at his home after this because, you know, she wanted to be there for him or whatever. Isn't that, isn't there like a, like a conflict of interest with that though? Like a code of ethics? Yeah. Like I have a friend that, that has, that's employed by a company to perform a certain task or Mm -hmm. a certain job. But if she were to like outsource and do at home care or whatever yeah. that that she's she can't do that well the thing is it's is like that, working for uber and lyft you know, yeah i see what you're it. saying <laughs> the thing is is that she wasn't working for him she was just taking it upon herself to go and care for him she had hired a housekeeper for him outside of the comfort house oh you know what i mean she wasn't but using the resources of the company to, to help him she was taking it upon herself to go to his house but is and she getting she, paid to do it no i don't think so okay. i really don't because if she, she was, that's what I'm saying. No, but, I don't think she yeah. was. I think she just was trying to at least, at, I mean, I don't know. At this point, it could have been genuine, but it, at, at, she's trying to establish that she cares about this gentleman. Yeah, which, she's trying to possibly portray that she has. Yeah, but she find out later if she doesn't care about him at all, which is very unfortunate. Well, you know, that's just not going to last. <laughs> So she was actually even, she told the family she was even planning on spending Thanksgiving with him that year at his house, which I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. It would be if you were a nice freaking human. I I would find that shady. I'm sorry. I would find that just as a, if that was my father or something, I would find that fucking shady. But, I mean, you want to believe that everyone's good and you want to believe that everyone's genuine. And at least he has someone to talk to and someone to come around and check up on him. And And especially since Mark lives so far. Exactly. And he's the only child. on the board. Of yeah. this amazing nonprofit organization, like how and bad she was she also be? Penny's nurse, yeah. so yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, this is when Melissa hired that housekeeper that I spoke about earlier. Okay, what was her um, name? Celest- Celestina Marscoro. She actually hired her to be at Marty's house while she couldn't be there. So this guy had pretty much somebody at the house with him at all times. all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, okay, so we're back to January 28th, 2015. This is the story I told in the beginning when the son, Mark, was heading to McAllen to check on his dad. So when Melissa Patterson arrived to the scene, again, Mark is still on his way, she immediately sees the paramedics giving life-saving procedures to Marty, and she tells them to stop. She goes, whoa, 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 stop, stop, and hands them a piece of paper with a signed DNR Oh my god, no. Um... The DNR looked accurate. It looked legit. So the paramedics had no choice but to stop all life-saving procedures. And unfortunately, Marty passed away a little bit later. Oh, no. This is when Melissa called Mark and told him, your dad just died. Kind of like that. I was imagining she said it like that. Yeah. Now, after this happened, police, of course, are at the scene. And they begin to try to get any kind of story from the housekeeper. Because the housekeeper was the one that called. Um, she said that it was like any other morning. She had made Marty breakfast and then she started to do some cleaning. And then she said that she arrived back to the chicken, the chicken, the kitchen to check on him. <laughs> she returned to the, the chicken coop. <laughs> so she said that she had arrived back to the kitchen to check on him mm-hmm. and he was slumped over. Well, of course she's freaked out. She's like, oh my God, you know, I don't know if she tried to, you know, check on him or whatever. And she obviously immediately called 911. Mm-hmm. So by the time that Mark arrived, this is four hours later. The coroner had already transported Marty to the morgue. He literally didn't... I don't know if that's proceed, like standard procedure or whatever, but when it's, when it's, in my opinion, 
um, an unassuming, like, no foul play death, which was what they thought at the beginning. Why would you, like, just... You can't... It's not like you're taking the body out for evidence, you know? Why, you couldn't just leave him there for just a little bit longer for his son to, like, be able to say... Or at least, like, put him in a... Well, know, keep him there somewhere. Melissa was also controlling the scene, so... Exactly. She was probably like, get this guy out of here, you know? Exactly. By all accounts, uh, it made sense to everybody that Marty had a heart attack due to his age. And three days later, they did a military graveside service for Marty with the 21-gun salute. Aww. If you've ever been to a military service, it is very emotional. I've yeah. been to one. Um, my dear friend David passed away a couple years ago, and it was very hard. Um, but it's a really cool thing to witness, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I don't want to say cool, but, you know, it's a touching thing to, to witness. Mm-hmm. Although Marty had been laid to rest, the investigation into his death was just beginning. Because they're like, oh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he's, you know, old and, you know, probably had a heart attack. But, I don't know, maybe it was, like, some questioning going yeah. on. Yeah. On the morning of February 24th, 2015, so this is almost a month a later, month later yeah. the housekeeper, Celestina, actually came forward with a startling confession. Dun, dun, dun! I know, right? Your face, you're like, what? What? She showed up at the Texas Rangers headquarters in Westlaco and asked to speak with somebody. She told them that she had witnessed the murder of Marty Nell. What? Yeah. A month later. You know, I, okay, I didn't want to accuse her, j'accuse her at first. <laughs> But when she called 911 and said that he was having a heart attack, then she's saying that he was slumped over. So, which is it? Like, was he grasping at his arm or his chest? And that's why she thought it was a heart attack? Well, I think she was saying he's, he's not alive. It was probably a heart attack is what she was like. Why would well, you that's just what I'm saying. It's like, why would you assume? Death? Like, it could have been an aneurysm. Literally it couldn't have stroke. been a blood clot. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so according that was very specific. Yeah. So according to Celestina, on that morning, Marty had received a phone call from Melissa. There was an argument, and he was very clearly upset. Oh, no. Well, then she claims that a short time later, Melissa showed up at the house where the argument continued. Melissa actually asked Celestina to step out of the room, out of the house, into the garage while they were talking. Excuse yourself. Go Literally. to the garage. That's what, oh, that like cringes me out. Like, fuck you. Like, I'm not going to leave. You're being rude to this poor old man. Well, when Celestina stepped out into the garage, she saw a man by whom she knew by the name of Mario sitting in Melissa's car (gasps) parked outside. He had worked odd jobs at the comfort house and he had like been around. I don't think that Celestina worked for the comfort house, but he had been around the house, you know, fixing stuff. Right. Like, clearly Melissa had had him come over a few times. So she recognized him. Yeah. And, but she knew him. By Mario. Okay. Um, then, after this happened, she noticed him or whatever. A few minutes later, Melissa came into the garage and motioned for Mario to come into the house, and he entered the residence. Then, after this, this is still all Celestina's story. This is her accounts of things. She tried to enter the house, but Melissa stopped her from <gasps> going into the house, and then Melissa followed Mario into the house. As Mario was walking into the house, Celestina relays that she overheard Melissa say, quote, do what you have to do to Mario. Oh, my God. Celestina then said that she heard a struggle. And then a few minutes later, Melissa and Mario came back into the garage. Melissa then instructed Celestina to wait 30 to 45 minutes before calling 911. Oh, my God. What a calculated bitch. And... They both threatened her life if she didn't uh, comply with what they were telling her to do. Holy crap. What, like, seriously, what would you do in that situation? I'd be terrified. Like, you yeah. just killed somebody. Yeah. You're not it's lying. It's one. One of Literally. which is, I mean, 
I don't know if he's like Carl Panzran size or not, but that's what I imagine. <laughs> big old bitch. The big old bitch. You want a job? Yeah. <laughs> so she says that when she made the call, she followed the instructions of Melissa to a T, which is exactly why she said he had a heart attack. <sighs> yeah. And she held on to this for how long? A month? A month. Oh, no. I mean, I probably wouldn't have slept that entire month. Yeah. That was me. Of course, she was terrified. Uh, well, the story seemed kind of far-fetched to the rangers. They were like, that's really specific. That's a lot yeah. of detail, you know. But they were like, all right, like, we'll... She can't find a happy medium. Right. It's like, no, he just had a heart attack. And, and then it's, it's this long, dramatic story. story. Yeah. It's like that... The truth uh, is in between. That Kevin Hart... Uh, <laughs> He's like, I make an excuse for everything. He's like, if I'm late, I have an excuse. And he like lays out this entire long scenario. And at the end of it, he's like, anyways, that's why I'm five minutes late to work. <laughs> it's like this whole long story. He's like, anyways. Um, so the Rangers had noted that she was actually like too calm telling this story, according to them. And that the 911 call that she made was also very calm. And they were like, if you had just witnessed a murder 30 to 45 minutes prior to this, wouldn't you like it be a little shaky in your voice or a little bit more like... Oh my god, like, some, like, I would probably try to follow their instructions. This is just me personally. Yeah. Follow their instructions, but, you, but like, tip off the paramedics, like, you need to get here now, or whatever. Yeah. I could see that, like, especially if you just witnessed a murder, and even if you were instructed to say that it's a heart attack or whatever, you still just witnessed a murder. Yeah. Like, you'd still be very upset. Yeah. Yeah. Although, 30 to 45 minutes seems specific, but... Who's to say Melissa wouldn't just check her phone for the records to make sure that she actually waited that long? That's like, true. Instead of just calling right right away yeah. after they left, which I probably would have tried to do. Celestina probably took a nap. <laughs> She's like, you know, what? I'm just gonna just rest this off, sleep this one. Off. Yeah. Um. So now they're thinking that she might have something to hide because her story seems a little far fetched. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, the Rangers do their due diligence, and I love this because you know some, and it's it's. It's unlikely in the same county, but you always hear stories about, like, police stations that are too, like, prideful to work with each other, or, like, oh, well, I'm a sheriff, and I'm a ranger, and you're just a cop. Like, I'm not going to bring you in on this investigation. You know, you kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's un- like a, a jurisdiction thing. Yeah, unfortunately, you hear things like that. But the rangers did exactly what they should have done, and good on them. They shared all that information that they got with the Hildago... Hildago? Hildago. Hildago. Yeah, it's right here, it, put, it says... Hit all go. <laughs> like, <laughs> autocorrect. Um, so they shared all this information with the Hildago County Sheriff's Office. And two days later, investigators went to the Comfort House to speak with Melissa. Damn. They didn't like... want to tip her off, because obviously that's a way to, you know, make someone mm-hmm. scared. Uh, so they just spoke with her about Marty. Mm-hmm. Marty. Um, she said that it's they... your kids, Marty. <laughs> she said that they became really close after Penny died, and he trusted her enough to confide in her about his wealth. Remember I told you they were millionaires. This the is plot her. thickens. This is all Melissa's words. Not quoted, but yeah. yeah. Uh, she said that he has invested wisely and still have... I'm sorry, he said, I've invested my money really wisely and I still have millions of dollars from this um, stock that my wife had. Uh, she said that he told her that he planned to leave some money to the church, some to the comfort house, some to his grandchildren, but none of it to his son, Mark. So... She said this? She said that he told her that. I'm going to leave this much money here, this much money here, but Mark isn't getting any of it. His only son isn't going to get any of my money. What? Um, it doesn't sound like a very Marty thing to say. Yeah. I feel like I know Marty pretty well. Right? Yeah. yeah. We go way back. Yeah. Um, well, apparently, according to Melissa, him and his son's relationship was not very good. And she believed that the son was after his money for a while. So she believed that his son was kind of 
minding his P's and Q's, waiting for his dad to die so that he could collect his inheritance or his life savings. She also claimed that Marty asked her to be sure that Mark did not try to take advantage of him. What? I know. I'm getting annoyed. Um, <laughs> also, according to her, Marty asked her to take over his affairs, asked her to be the executor of his estate, and also gave her power of attorney. Where? where where's the document, Melissa? Melissa, where's the receipt? Melissa then explained that she hired Celestina to look after him during the week, but she said that just before he died, Marty called her mad and accused Celestina of stealing from him. And he was like, this housekeeper's stealing from me. Get your ass over here, blah, blah. I got a bone to pick with you because you hired her. There was cash missing from the house, but there was never any confirmation to say that it was Celestina. And Melissa told the police that she was going to the house to confront Celestina when she got the call about Marty. Convenient. You know what? Melissa is just a do-gooder, and there is, and she clearly is a victim in this oh, as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I believe everything that she's totally. saying. Totally. Uh, oh, she's also crying and making it seem like she's very upset at this point. Ew. Uh, probably, probably <laughs> crocodile tears. <laughs> I put on a bunch of chapstick before this so I didn't get dry. <laughs> That's a really good idea. I should do that right? next time. I talk so much. I should put, like, a lozenge in Lozen. my throat. <laughs> Um, so after receiving all of this information, the cops decided that they weren't going to tell her about what Celestina had told them in an attempt to not piss her off because yeah. she's clearly fabricating this whole thing. <laughs> I mean, not, they weren't like the woman's 100. delusional. Yeah. But they weren't like what they weren't, they didn't have anything to say that what she was saying wasn't the truth. Right. You know? And so they yeah. were like, oh, they wanted her side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it was. So now based on all of this information, the investigators have three persons of interest, the housekeeper, Celestina. Melissa and now the son Mark now. Oh god. I know. They have to try they have to Poor Mark. They have to try out every lead though. Of you know? course. Now on March 2nd of 2015, the Rangers requested an interview with Mark. Of course he was like, Yeah, absolutely. They interviewed him about the knowledge that he had on the death of his dad. He said that after his mom died, he was worried about his dad's mental health declining. And also stated that on December 3rd, so this is like a month and a half before he died. He actually called his dad, and his dad was worried that he was trying to murder him and steal his money. So when I heard this, I was like, okay, so there is a little bit of accuracy to, like, of course Mark's not lying about this. He said that he called his dad, and his dad was then saying, no, like, you're trying to murder me, you're trying to steal my money. Melissa had manipulated him into thinking that. (gasps) That's horrible. And he started to believe that because his mental health was declining so rapidly. Well, this, like, really made me upset, so get ready. Uh, Mark, of course, got upset when he heard this, so he just said goodbye and hung up on his dad, and that was the last time that he spoke to him. No, don't say that. I know. I know. That's heartbreaking. I know. know. Don't... It's gotta be so hard for Mark, though, because he probably doesn't understand why his father is saying these things when he's known who his father is for so long. Yeah. That, like, his... Like you said, his mental deterioration, it just was... It was really bad, and, of course, when you have somebody that's trying to manipulate someone else... Um, that's in that state, yeah, I can see why Marty would be confrontational yeah. or whatever, but, oh, poor Mark. Dude, that's I know, so and sad. I feel really bad, too, because, you know, at this point, he doesn't know, of course, that anything like this is happening, but mm-hmm. in hindsight, had he known that Melissa was manipulating him, he would have never spoken to his dad. He probably like would have been down there. Ugly. Yeah, of course, he would have been down there and stuff, so that's just really upsetting, because I can't imagine, you know, like... Well, it's she, hard. You she's know? the one that robbed them of that. Of course. It's not Mark's <clears throat> fault. Of course. Um, now, like I said, this is the last time that they spoke. He also said that after his father shut him out, 
That was when Melissa decided to step in as the middleman, as the messenger. So she would relay things that were happening with Marty to Mark. So they were talking, and that's why he felt confident enough to call her on that day that he unfortunately passed away, because he, they had been yeah. talking. She probably knew that if if Mark got savvy to what was happening, then she'd be out. Of course. So she had to kind of repair that bridge. Of course. Now, it wasn't until Marty passed away, unfortunately, that Mark realized that Melissa had much, much more control over him than he thought. And yeah. much more control of the situation, not even just over Marty. Mm. He said that when he arrived at the house, at the day that his dad died, he brought his son Doug along with him, his adult son. Mm. He said that they couldn't get in because the locks had been changed on the door, on the front door. Yeah. Um, Now, Mark confronts Melissa about this, you know, when he has time later on. She goes immediately to her car and grabs some paperwork and presents him with this new and improved will of Marty's that shows that she is power of attorney. And so she changed the lock so Mark couldn't get in to like take anything. Or yeah, go I think that stuff to see to see any of that that was happening. Maybe maybe there was paperwork on the tables at some point and it was laid out and stuff like that. Yeah, and she doesn't want him showing up unannounced. And then her plans foiled. Yeah. You know? Now this is obviously when Mark and his son Doug became suspicious that she had manipulated him to doing all of these things before he died, yeah. which was the case, unfortunately. Did, what was the will about? Did it? It named her power of attorney. It named her executor in his death. Like the, it's called like a transfer and transfer in death. So all of his money is going to go to her when he, if he, if and when he dies. That's horrible. And he signed it. So, and it's one of those things. It's like, can you really prove that he was? What is it called when you have to be like sane and? Well, that he's of like a of sound sound mind. mind. Yeah, exactly. But can you really prove that when Mark literally is over here saying like he hasn't been like he's. His health and mental and emotional yeah. health deteriorating. Like, he thought that Mark was coming for his money and it wasn't true and all yeah. this stuff. So, it, yeah. So, Doug and Mark start to put together the pieces of her sinister mind, is what I put. Because, <laughs> God, it's terrible. Like, yeah. how calculated. And it's unfortunately, like, cunning, like, in an annoying way. Yeah. Like, it's kind of smart. Like, in a, ugh, the worst fucking way. <laughs> no, serious. I mean, it's not smart. It's, no, I know. But, but she like, has all of her that have, yeah. ducks in a row, yeah. pretty much. Now when people want what they want, they'll yeah. do anything to get it. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, after Mark told the authorities this, of course, he immediately was like, look at this bitch. Uh, they decided to take a closer look at Melissa Patterson again. Of course, like I said earlier, her family was really politically involved in the community, so they were able to get a lot of information about her background, which is a good thing for the police. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Melissa was acting a little strange, she actually kept her story really straight from the get-go. Yeah. She was not budging, and so that was, like, giving them her more credit, and they were like, maybe she is telling the truth. Like, I don't know. Right. Celestina, however, was changing her story slightly, giving authority something to question. So now they're leaning more towards her, which is like, no, like, you're going in the wrong direction. Um, so they bring her back for a second interview. So she says once again that a man named Mario murdered Marty and Melissa was involved. Well, they realized that Celestina was hired as an interference between Mark and Marty. Get this. Melissa instructed Celestina that if Mark called the house, she was not to let him talk to Marty. She was, tr- she was told to give him the runaround so that wow. he didn't talk to Marty so that Marty didn't accidentally, like, say something that Melissa didn't want him to say. Yeah. So... When asked about Mario, she reiterates that she doesn't know his name, or his last name, pardon me, but he had previously been at the Nell house, like I said earlier, to fix a few things. So he had called her on her cell phone before. So the police were able to track this phone number, sorry, phone, 
number. <laughs> they were able to track this phone number, and uh, they actually just typed it into Facebook, and it just popped up. Because this guy's great. Yeah, this guy. He's like, here he I am. Not hired for the brains Literally. of the operation. He's um, just the muscle. Right. They come up with a photo and a Facebook profile with the name of Angel Mario Garza. Idiot. Like, here's, here I am for all the world to see. I guarantee you it wasn't even on private. Like, you can see all of his posts. He's, like, going to the Nell house. Yeah. Like, right later. LOL. Can't wait to see you, Marty. BRB. On my way. Literally, like, hanging out with my BFF Melissa all day today. Just did some sketchy shit. Stupid. So, this idiot, Mario, we were just talking about it, had been arrested before because he's not very bright. So the police came back the next morning with Celestina and they gave her a photo lineup to look. Uh, so obviously not like a in-person lineup, but a lineup of photos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually, one of the things I think is really interesting about the photo lineup is that they include pictures of people that are no longer alive just mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not just giving them some bullshit. Right. Which is some so random. Cool. Or yeah. they'll include people that have been in prison during the time of this crime. Right. So they know that you can't just, like, pick someone out. Right. Which is awesome. Um, well, the investigators noted that when she saw his photo, her face went completely pale, and she immediately pointed to him. She's like, that's the motherfucker right there. They had uh, pinpointed exactly who he was, remember, because she didn't know his last name. So now they have, like, an ID on this guy. Yeah. So at this point, investigators are more on the side of Celestina, and now they're on to Melissa, who said she was never at the house until she got called out on the day of the murder after the EMS got there. So she hadn't been to the house prior to the, that time on that day. Melissa said that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what was Mario's record again? It didn't say. Oh, he just... I thought you said that he had been previously He had arrested. been arrested before, but it didn't it say. It didn't say what? Okay, sorry. It's okay. Um, so now they're on to Melissa, who had previously said that she was never at the house until she got the call on the day of the murder that EMS got there. So she hadn't been at the house at all that day, according to her, until they called for the EMS. Bullshit. Yeah. Um, now, thank God for dumb killers... Because cell phone records came back and showed that all three of their phones pinged the tower at the same time at the residence at the time of the murder. So Dumbasses. Literally. All three. So she's They're like, I wasn't, there. I wasn't there. Uh, who the fuck had your phone then? Yeah, yeah. you were. You were definitely um, there. Yeah. With Celestina's account seemingly confirmed, authorities asked her to help with a dangerous assignment. No. They wanted to use her as bait and put a wire, wire. on her. Oh, no, that's and the worst. And to get a confession from Melissa. Oh, that's the worst. That's... You're putting somebody in a really dangerous situation. I would be... For the benefit of, a, of an investigation. Shatting myself. Yeah. Literally. I would have I would... shat. And then I... I would not have stopped shatting. You know me. I'm a terrible liar. I wouldn't be able me to too. do Me too. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> now, Celestina agrees. And on July 5th, 2015, this is five months after the murder, she sits down with Melissa. She confronted her with the accusation of the murder, and of course, Melissa denied, denied, denied. She probably knew she was bait. However, she didn't come across as somebody who was innocent. She didn't say, I don't know what you're talking about, I I would have never done that, this and that and the other. She just said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Melissa's a bad liar, too. Literally. Clearly. Uh, You could tell by the recording that she was guilty of something, but they didn't get a full confession, so they couldn't, it wouldn't hold any weight. Right. Now, there was a little bit of a lull after this, but then, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, after, you know, more investigating, a lead popped up. Authorities discovered what is called an adult protection... An adult protection services report. So it's like, you're filing a report, you think that an adult is in danger. So it's almost like a child endangerment report, but it's for an elderly adult. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, this was filed two months before Marty's death by one Raquel Ibarra. Who's Raquel Ibarra? She had called the police department and filed this report. They contacted her and asked her why she did this, and she said that she was providing bereavement services to Marty after his wife's death. So she oh, was like wow. a therapist She's like of a counselor, sorts. yeah. Um, he was clearly very visibly upset one day, and she asked him why, and he said that he had learned that the beneficiary on his stock accounts had been changed to Melissa. What? She was named as the transfer of de- transfer on death, like I said earlier, so if he died, she would get all of his money. He was upset, saying things like, quote, why did this young lady do this, and, quote, she doesn't have the authority to do this. So he knew what she was trying to do, and he was pissed about it. So she, she didn't convince him to, like, oh, here's my password. So like, the clock was ticking, Melissa. She, she knew. Yep. Uh, so this is when Marty called her at the session. Se- se- uh, <laughs> uh, so this is when Marty called her at the session and he was like, what the fuck? And she like, what do you like? You can't do this. And she was like, calm down. I'll be right there or whatever. Like how she talks. Um, and she showed up to the session with this Raquel Bar in the room. Right. So they're all together in this room. Like and for her to like confront him or. He wants to confront her. Oh. And she showed up in person. Yeah. Because, well, she's going to try to manipulate and she's going to, like, try to smooth things over so Raquel doesn't say shit. And also, there's no record of this because they're not on the phone. They're inside in person. I mean, maybe Raquel's, you know, they can legally record stuff if they just keep it um, private, but still. But then she's a mandated reporter. Of course. So, he was asking her why she did this to why she did this to him and he was telling her to change it back because she does not have the right to any of his stuff. Well, Melissa was being really vague and she asked Raquel to leave the room so that they could have this conversation in private. Was like Mario she did there? with Celestina. Was Mario there? No, this was at the session. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I right. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden Mario gets out of yeah. the car. <laughs> Shows up. <laughs> He's like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> when, when Raquel was like, why do I need to leave the room? Melissa was trying to say that the information that they were talking about was privilege and that she didn't have any right to that information. Raquel did not buy that. But of, of course, course, she has yeah. no right to state. She, she can't be like, no, I need to hear all this. Um, so this is when she decided to report that adult protection service because she was like, something is clearly wrong here. Yeah. Like, if this was his daughter, it might be a different story. But, like, this lady literally barely knows this guy, according right. to me. And he's obviously visibly upset exactly for this reason. Yes. So something's going on. Clearly she was manipulating him. Yeah. Now, and trying to isolate him as well. Yeah. Now we're at August 25th, 2015. This is when investigators bring in Mario Garza. So... Angel, his real name is, but Mario. Angel. Angel. Angel Batista. Angel Batista. <laughs> we watch a lot of Dexter. <laughs> he said that he worked part-time at the Comfort House, and in January of that year, Melissa confided in him, in him that she was about to become a rich woman. <gasps> you better marry me tomorrow, I'm gonna be a rich bitch. She told him that <laughs> he changed his will, and that she would share some of the money with him if he helped her complete this murder. <gasps> So she was like, I changed this guy's will. I'm going to be a millionaire and I'll, I'll split it with you. If Don't you, you do love when, when people do this where they think that they're going to get this like big, like well, insurmountable amount of money. Literally. And, like, and they think that they're going to get like, away with oh, it. They're like, oh, you just go ahead and kill him now and I'll pay you when I'm a millionaire. Yes. And they never become millionaires. Yes. So they both get dicked. It's literally. hilarious. <laughs> I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, so he admitted that he agreed with this deal and he went to the house with her on that day. He said that when she gave him the signal, however, he went inside to do the deed, but lost the courage to actually complete the murder himself. Now he's saying that 
she was the one that actually physically, with her own hands, killed Marty instead of him. Wow. But they were the only two in the room, well, with Marty, of course, and he can't. One saying you know. one, well, Mario's the only one that's saying that anybody did anything at yeah, this point, because literally. they can't even get a confession from Melissa. Now, this is when a uh, manner of death is now brought to light. Um, it's kind of bad, of course. I mean, any death is going to be Trigger bad. warning. Um, so Marty Nell was killed by somebody putting a plastic bag over his head in an attempt to suffocate him. He fought very hard, trying to breathe, but unfortunately was unsuccessful and ultimately died from this. However, then that's that's the end of talking about manner of death. Uh, the police believe his story, Mario's story, that he backed out last second, but if they, of course, arrest him anyways because he was involved. He was there. Doi. You could have stopped that. Dummy. Now, with Mario in custody, police are zeroing in on Melissa. Mm-hmm. So this is the next day, August 26, 2015, police arrive back at the Comfort House. They ask her to accompany them with an interview, but she declines, saying that she doesn't want to talk and instead she wants an attorney. No, thank you. Yeah. No, I'm fine today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. The day after Mario gets arrested and she knows that he was talking to them. Yeah. Well, either way, they're going to want to talk to her because there was someone admitted that there was a crime that happened. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. So this is dummy. This is amazing. She goes... No, I don't want to talk. I'll just take an attorney. Thanks. And they go, well, you're under arrest for capital murder. Thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> they, you could meet up with him at the station. <laughs> Literally, yeah, we'll bring you to talk to your lawyer yeah. over there. Cute. You're still arrested. <laughs> oh, this kind of hurt my heart, though. One of the arresting officers actually knew her dad and brother personally because wow. they were so known. His, her brother had political ties as well. Yeah. Um, and he was quoted as saying that it was, quote, devastating having to arrest a daughter of a personal friend of mine. But as a sheriff of this county, we had to do what we had to do. Mm. I mean, that's a bummer, but at the same time, yeah. like, she's a fucking but, like, criminal. you're a fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, with her parents' pull and their money, she doesn't stay in jail long, and her $500,000 bail was immediately posted by her parents. Ugh, God. Oh, I know. Uh, with the amount of people around this family, this was a huge case in the community. Of course. Uh, by now, it was very clear that the quote-unquote tension between Marty and his son was completely made up by Melissa. Investigators are now working overtime to build a case against her, of course, and they asked Mark if he would be okay with them exhuming his dad's body in order to help with the investigation. Maybe if they can find any defensive wounds do or it. anything. He agreed. Yeah. Thank God. And uh, they proceeded to do this. Well, honestly, you know, in cases like this, unfortunately, I mean, she has power of attorney. If it had gone through, she could have had him cremated. And then oh, she yeah. would have literally I'm sure that was her this. goal. I'm sure. Yeah. So they proceeded to do this. Uh, exhumation? Is that what? The exhumation. Right yeah. yeah. Exhumation. Um, while the autopsy was being performed, they did note that he had a couple of broken ribs on his back, which would be consistent with somebody being held down. Yes. Uh, he also, infrared light also revealed suspicious marks on his neck, which were signs of trauma from strangulation, yeah. of course. Yeah. Uh, so they have all they need to nab this bitch, is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so soon after her arrest, the chairman of the Comfort House board, remember the guy I talked about earlier, notifies investigators that this murder might not be the only crime that Melissa's committed in the recent past. Um, he noticed that there were a lot of missing funds from the Comfort House nonprofit organization organization shortly after she was arrested and wanted to complete an audit to be sure. Yeah. So during this time, they're waiting for the audit. Investigators turn their attention to the death of Penny, saying that it was <gasps> questionable and hastened. Oh, my God. I forgot about the right. fact that Penny, like... Took a turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So they also discussed exhuming her as well, but at this point it had obviously been much longer and it probably wouldn't have led to anything. And, of course, Mark has already been through so much, so they declined right. to do that. Yeah. He said, you know what? 
if she's behind bars for the rest of her life for because my dad, murder, I'll take yes, it, you know? Yeah. We don't want to risk throwing too much information at the jury and then them getting confused and of then course. she doesn't fucking have to do this. Um, so they decide to focus their case on Marty. Two months after Melissa's arrest, this audit comes back from the chairman with the chairman of the board. It showed that the Comfort House accounts were pretty much stripped clean of money. What? The audit revealed that she had been embezzling money from the organization since her first day working there, totaling over $200,000 in stolen money from a non-profit, in which 20 grand of this money went to funding her son's graduation party. 20,000? <laughs> I'm screaming. I'm pretty sorry. sure you can do a wedding in 20,000. Literally. What? Um, and nobody, I'm sorry, but nobody knew she was doing this. How, do, if I was... Or people just, like, benefit of the doubt. Well, I don't know. Their family does the, have a lot of money, so maybe it wasn't really weird that she threw an extravagant true. party for her son, you but know? Clearly but clearly, she's a broke bitch. Clearly. And well, she's fucking greedy. This That's gets worse. so greedy. She was also a noted partier, in which she would steal <laughs> money to live her lavish lifestyle. She would take <laughs> frequent trips to Vegas, which, Ugh. goals, but not like that. Uh, <laughs> just to blow the nonprofit money? Like, that's... <laughs> Horrible. On profit for them. Non-profit for me. It's profit. profit for the casinos, you dumb bitch. God. Oh, get this. So that was 200 grand. Mm-hmm. Investigators also discovered that after Marty's death, Melissa transferred almost $250,000 from his accounts into hers. So this is over half a million dollars that she's now stolen from two places. I'm sorry. Did Mario get paid yet? <laughs> And Mario's still a broke and bitch. he's still <laughs> a broke asshole. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'd be pissed. <laughs> like, what? Um, the money is all gone at this point, and there are huge sums of money in this investigation that are still missing or unaccounted for. So all of that money that she's known from, st- like, she doesn't have it. So yes. Oh, of course hidden not. Hidden somewhere, or she spent it. God. Um, because of all of this, they looked into her financial past, of course, and realized that she was in debt to the IRS and several other organizations. She had gone bankrupt, <laughs> bankrupt, I can't even talk about get it out so fast. She had gone bankrupt from her speech therapy job that she held before working for Comfort House and owed close to 300 grand in total. But she could have paid that off. Literally. Like, she could have done something right with the money. Not really. But yeah, like, no, but I mean, like... Yeah, it's not like she was in, in Vegas. In, it parties. was like, yeah, it's not like she was desperate. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, like some people just get desperate. No, well, this woman doesn't care. No, she she's, only cares about money. She's narcissistic yeah. as fuck. Yeah, she's greedy. She's yeah. gluttonous. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't care. She yeah. doesn't care about all that debt that she has. That's not why she's stealing this money. She's yeah. stealing the money to make her life better for herself. She doesn't care. That's horrible. Now this is September 25th, 2017. So two years later. Okay. The trial begins. She's been in jail the whole time, thank God. Good. Um, oh, among, so they didn't... Well, in between those two years, of course, she's in jail, right? They can't... She's not just... Is she gonna... Hold on. Is that how it works? They're gonna be in if jail you, while they're awaiting trial? What? She wouldn't be free while she's awaiting trial, would she? It depends on if the, the bail was paid. Like, the bond was paid. Yeah. Oh, it was. So she was free for two years after this? Yeah. They Ew. probably had, like, an ankle monitor on her or whatever, but she probably just stayed home. Ew. That's annoying. But isn't that horrible? Hate there's that some, there's like some crimes where they're like, there's not going to be a, or they'll revoke the bond or the bail and you can't get out. That's BS. No, well, her, remember her parents paid the bail. Or so if they think you're a flight risk. I mean, it's a good thing that I don't know this information because that shows that I'm not a criminal and I have never been to jail before. Have you? <laughs> I've never been to jail, but <laughs> I've definitely busted my fair share of friends out. Oh my God. For amazing. sure. So now this is. Shout the- out to Valentine's Day 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy year. <laughs> Y2K, no. Uh, wait, that was year 2000. Anyways, 
Um, now, September 25th, 2017, Melissa's trial begins. Among the charges, theft from a nonprofit, misapplication of fiduciary property, which is like misuse of the money that he was entrusting her mm-hmm. with, and of course, capital murder. Now, it was Greg Thompson and Joseph Arendian up against eight different defense attorneys, one of whom that was named Rick Salinas, no relation. Oh, well. And out of those eight, four of them were the most prominent defense attorneys in the county. So they got the best of the best to defend her. Yeah. Um, so prosecutors tried to argue that her outrageous spending and pending bankruptcy was her motive for stealing Comfort House money and from Marty, of course. Yeah. According to them, on the morning of his death, he confronted Melissa to bring the wills over so that they could change them back. And instead, she was like, nope, you're going to die. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, they used Mario Garza's statement instead of having him testify because he was in custody. But they used it against her. <laughs> Dummy. Yeah. The defense attempted to pin the crime on Mario instead of Melissa, of course. Even though she had chosen the best defense attorneys, get this, if this doesn't scream I'm a narcissist, oh my god. They had chosen the best defense attorneys, but she was noted as picking which attorney would do the questioning and what questions they were going to ask. Because she thinks that she's a better defense attorney than than a defense attorney. (laughs) An actual legal defense attorney. Someone that went to school and made money instead of stealing it, Melissa. Right. (laughs) So, she... Literally just thinks that she could manipulate everyone in the courtroom like she manipulated Marty. Of course. And I put, what a fucking narcissist. Um, so on November 1st, 2017, after just three hours, the jury found Melissa guilty on all counts and, sh- counts, and she was sentenced to life without possibility. Shock. She never showed any remorse or regret. Shock. I, w- I thought you were going to say shock again. <laughs> so you did it for me. Yeah. Um, as far as the family, of course, they're glad that justice has been served. But Marty's story is a constant reminder that, um, unfortunately, elderly citizens and seniors can be and are the most vulnerable of our community and people will try to take advantage of them. Absolutely. It's it's honestly scary. Like, it is. It's, people always think about, you know, child nabbing and like yeah. nabbing, child nabbing and, and stuff like that or, or to make sure that. You know, you know, children are our future, but still, yeah, um, yeah, elderly people get taken advantage of. Um, well, that was something that I was also really concerned with, uh, with Pa. You know, when he went when he went into assisted living. Um, thankfully that was never the case. We yeah, didn't have and that to worry facility about was great that. too. Yeah, um, but you never know. I mean, it's really, really tragic, and mm. it's people that work in places like this, and it's people that are on the board in places like this. It's ridiculous. Um, now we're gonna talk about the um. Again, you know, Melissa Patterson was never diagnosed with anything per se. However, I think that she really resonates well with um, narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can tell that she just thinks that the laws don't apply to her and that she can right. get away with anything. And She's the smartest person in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Now, narcissistic personality disorder, uh, there's a bunch of different personality disorders, but this one specifically is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships and a lack of empathy for others Mm -hmm. um behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism which is why she 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 only talked to her defense attorneys in court and she shut the hell up for everything else or it's like when i I think it was like two instances one with the with raquel the Mm -hmm. counselor yep and then with marty over the phone that it's like a like a conflict for her because she wants to isolate Marty, mm-hmm. but she also can't look bad in the eyes of anyone. Yeah, of course. So she rushed into the counseling session mm-hmm. to plead her case as to why she's not a bad person. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Marty. I mean, I'm sorry, with Mark. 
um, when she, you know, got in between Marty and Mark. Well, she also doesn't want Mark to think that she's a bad person. So, you know, that's yeah. that feeds into her ego is egotistic nature. Um, that it's like, well, it's not me that's doing it. I'm not. It's not me. I'm yeah. the good person. I'm trying to help. And yeah. Well, unfortunately, uh, that lack of empathy with that comes people that are very, very good at doing that. Uh, yeah. What you're talking about, mm-hmm. and that's it's really scary. Um, it also says that a narcissistic personality disorder causes problems in many areas of life, of course, such as relationships, work, school, or financial affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, people with this disorder may be generally unhappy and disappointed when they're not given the special favors or admiration they believe they deserve, and they may find their relationships unfulfilling and others may not enjoy being around them. Huh. Yeah. May not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just I just think this is super interesting, so I'm yeah. going to um, read just a couple of symptoms. And uh, also, this is, um, of course, you know, true crime podcast. We want to shed light on the mental aspect of it. But if you're listening to this and you think that somebody is, like, maybe expressing some of these symptoms or whatever, it does not hurt to get someone the help that they need. And we've seen in a lot of these cases, had these people gotten the help that they needed, maybe their paths would have right. been different, you know? But it also means that just because some people exhibit some of these symptoms does not mean that they have a mental illness Oh, either. of course. Yeah. Of course not. But, yeah. you know, these are some, uh, with all of these paired together, you know, to look out for. Right. It's when it's excessive yeah. and it's a, it's a pattern of behavior that goes over a length of time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just going to list off a couple here. Uh, so the symptoms include uh, having an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it. I feel like that's me. <laughs> Why you gotta call me out like that? Yeah. Uh, being envious of others and believe others envy them. Being behaving in an arrogant or haughty manner, coming across as conceited, boastful, and pretentious, and insisting on having the best of everything, for instance, the best car or office, which is why her son had to have the best graduation party. I want the best of everything. I me too, but I'm not gonna <laughs> you know, yeah. plot a murder to get it or no, steal. Of course, yeah. And honestly, thieves piss me off, dude. Thieves are the worst. Like, fuck off. I yeah. worked hard for this money. Yeah. And you're just gonna take it because you think you deserve it? That literally grinds my gears. Yeah, I used some of your lettuce the other day. Sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm gonna go to the clinic now. I'm, I'm, gonna sure go to the- I'm not I'm sick. Go sure. No, I don't even think that was my lettuce, Loki. I don't know. Apologize. It was somebody's lettuce. I ate it. it Someone's was in there. The If you're listening, we might have used your lettuce. <laughs> I think, it, Mom, I used your lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was the story of Melissa Patterson. Uh, she is behind bars for life. As far as I know, she is still alive and hopefully still rotting in prison. Mm. Yeah, suffer. Yeah, literally. That's And that poor man, That's you horrible. know, with the way that Marty, his story kind of unfolds and the, all of the badass things he did growing up, yeah. like, he probably would have lived well over 100 years old. Yeah. And maybe even Penny. He was, Penny on his was way. doing great, you yeah. know? And Penny. So, and unfortunately, they didn't get, um, for lack of a better term, justice for Penny. However, they did get justice for Marty, so I think that in turn, of you know, course. resonates with yeah. justice for I'm Penny. I'm sure that's so. all Penny cares about. But they're together again, and they're happy with each yeah. other. They're for eternally forever together, so that makes yeah. me feel a little bit a little bit of a silver lining, I guess. Yeah. Sweet people. Yeah. Seem like sweet people. Well, thanks for listening. That was a that was a long one. Oh, not a long one. Actually, that was actually just about the uh, time that we're aiming for. You know, mm-hmm. with our with our podcast, I think yeah. the last couple ones have been a little. They short. were like forty minutes. Yeah, but yeah, we're gonna try to aim for that hour mark. Yeah, and it you know we we'll do some that are because there's some cases that simply don't have enough information to fill an entire hour. If that's the case, 
we'll preface it in the beginning or we'll put it in the in the title so that maybe if you just have a short commute like to work or the store or something you can pop on one of those or yeah, if you have a road quick. trip and you can you know play one of our normal episodes mm-hmm. uh we can you know definitely preface if it's going to be like a small mini episode or like a yeah. full you know full episode so definitely one of our uh upcoming episodes are going to be a two-parter yeah absolutely so, and again we'll preface it's that gonna, on the other end it's like there's so many cases where there's just so much information mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for the suggestion. The person that suggested us, they didn't want their name to be um, said, but thank you for the suggestion. I've had a, a lot of fun researching this yeah, case. Yeah, it sounded like an interesting case. Yeah, and there's sure. also a documentary that gave me most of my information, so I definitely want to give them credit. It's an episode of Snapped, and I think it's season shoo, 25, episode 20. Mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes, too, just as a... That's on Oxygen, little... by the way. It is? Oh, okay, I got Snapped. it on... Snapped? I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got it on... Uh, well, I actually rented it. I got it on Prime Video for, like, $1.99. Okay. I yeah. bought it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely an interesting document. It's only, like, 45 minutes long. It's mm-hmm. not anything crazy. But, yeah, so... Um... In the meantime, while we're waiting on our next episode to come out, hopefully it'll be posted later this week. I think I'm going to post this one in a couple days and then that one a couple days later. Uh, we do have our Instagram set up, so that is at Diagnosing a Killer. We also have a Twitter account, at Killer Diagnosis. And then I finally set up that email, like I said. Woo! It is diagnosingakiller at gmail.com. And again, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, so if you want to listen on Spotify, I don't know if you like streaming that better or whatever, or if you want to suggest someone that doesn't have yeah. maybe an iPhone. Comment, email us, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, we really are, at least I am kind of like, oh man, like quite a few people are listening to this. It I makes know. me feel good. I'm but, getting excited. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for your support. We really love you guys. All right. Well, we will see you in a few days, I guess. Yeah. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.